Hey guys, it's Adam. I wanted to talk to you really quick about Buzzsprout. Um, Buzzsprout's a place where you can get your own podcast launched and you can start today for free. I recently started using Buzzsprout and I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I was moving my uh, podcast from one host to another and I ran into a little bit of a snag, but guess what? Buzzsprout had me covered. They helped me out. They interacted with me over email. It was almost real-time chat, and they got my problem solved within minutes. So you can't pay for better tech support. I think the thing is, with most companies, if you get a good place that has good customer service and good support, you can't go wrong there. And they make it easy. It's not hard when you have the right partners like that and the right support like that. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed, and you can join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out into the world. So really, all you need is a quiet place, some gear you already have, like me, I'm using my phone right now and a, and a laptop, uh, and I'm getting this podcast out there, and I'm recording this, uh, this promo. So follow the link in the show notes, and that's going to let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. And if you sign up for a paid plan, it shows that you help support this podcast right here. I would really appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks again, and back to the show. Okay, so two days in a row, I'm going to be doing a podcast. Um, hey, everybody, um, if you have a chance, check out rightcbd.com for some really great deals on human and pet CBD products. Um, just wanted to give a shout-out. I, I use one of their relief bombs. Um, for some sh shoulder and neck soreness, and it's fantastic. Really works well, and I I use it basically every day. Um, I have used it for dogs and recommended for clients' dogs in the past, and uh, I recommend it to you guys too. That's rytecbd.com. Anyway, let's get going with the podcast. So I got an email um, in response to uh, the the last um, the, the last uh, podcast we did. Um, with respect to um, being consistent, and um, I've already gotten response for this because you know there there are a lot of people out there that are struggling with similar things like that. Um, the one thing is is that let's just say you if you live by yourself, you can't really be inconsistent. Um, I mean, you can, but if you're being consistent and then your dog is still having these these issues, um, there's specific situations that you might f find yourself in. And, and here's one. So uh, the listener um, sent a nice email saying the that they have a high-anxiety, year-and-a-half-old, 65-pound poodle, um, which I've seen those before, and uh, had worked with uh, a specialist to try and deal with... Uh, uh, stress, the, the dog's stress. And um, the dog like is obedient, has, has lot, lots of good training, likes to train, really loves it, actually. Um, and one thing that most people, and this, this dog and, and this uh, person is struggling with, is um, visitors. And, um, you know, asking the visitor to ignore the dog for the first couple of minutes when they arrive so the dog can calm themselves down. Um, and, and so the dog doesn't become, and I love this, I quote, uh, the welcoming committee. But, you know, friends even, you know, disregard that. They might immediately stir the dog up, wind the dog up by throwing their arms open, speaking in a high-pitched voice, um, you know. And, and one, of the, one of the persons that comes through the door 
actually does let the dog jump on her. So, you know, you're trying your best to do what you we think is right and what you want the dog to do, but the rest of the world doesn't comply. And, and that goes for like when you're training a dog um, outside of your home, you can't deal, you can't dictate the distractions. You don't know when the squirrel is going to show up. You don't know when, um, uh, you know, a fire alarm is going to go off or a police car is going to go screaming by with their, their sirens on. You don't know if there's going to be a dog that's behind a fence or just a stray dog is going to come running up to you. So you can't predict everything that's going to happen in the dog's world. But there are some tools and situations where you can condition a dog to certain behaviors. So mentioning, you know, should I use the crate? That's that's what the, the listener sent. Should I should I crate my dog when these visitors come by? So I have I've mixed feelings about this, and, and I'm, I'm going to leave it to you, the listeners, to decide what you wanted to do in this particular circumstance, because most people want to socialize their dog. They want their dog to have the freedom in their own home to, to see guests as they come in, especially if it's a, a small family. And what I mean by small, you could even argue just one person in the house, uh, and, and the thing is, is that... Um, you can't control everything that goes on when people walk through the door, but it's not common for the dog. So the dog might get overly excited because they're already anxious to begin with. Um, you know, obviously there's some things you could do before you know guests are arriving. You can extra exercise the dog, train the dog, have the dog do dog puzzles, um, have the dog eat a bone, use a lick mat, a snuffle mat, something like that, just to get a little bit of the crazy out. Well, that's that's certain things you can do kind of preemptively, and I think it's a good good practice no matter what. But um, two options here. Use the crate and, you know, uh, put the dog in the crate when the guests come, when they arrive, have the dog wait, uh, and only let the dog out when they're calm or keep the dog in there the entire time, depending on the en- energy level of the dog and the type of visitor you have. I think that's important to mention. You know, if you have a bunch of little kids or toddlers or you know a baby that's just crawling maybe it's not appropriate to have this 65 pound you know uh crazy exuberant dog um in that in that kid's presence and it might make sense to confine the dog in the crate you know some other visitors it might be appropriate just for the leash and you know i'll get into what 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 i actually said to uh the the listener uh over email in response to this I'm going to have to pause the podcast for just a second because uh, something's going on. Okay, so if there's a little bit of a continuity problem here, uh, forgive me. I had to pause the recording for a couple minutes to take care of something. Um, so my response and what I was recommending. Um, so first, you know, uh, you can use certain tools like using a crate um, or it might be appropriate to keep the dog on a leash. So if you're planning on sending the dog to the crate, um, you know, you would rehearse that in the most calm, non-distractive setting, um, repeating the dog, sending the dog to the crate from a couple feet away from where you're standing, um, and rehearsing that from literally like basically the dog goes into the crate, you toss a treat in for the dog to retrieve it, the dog retrieves the treat, come back out, reward the dog for that, um, then uh, toss a handful of treats, think of like a, a jackpot into the crate. So, you know, five to 10 little tiny pieces of food into the crate and you walk away. Um, the dog starts realizing that there's no negative consequence associated with going into the crate. And you repeat this dozens and dozens of times, um, without 
the specter of, you know, a guest coming through the door any minute and winding the dog up and being excited. It's just conditioning the dog to go into the crate voluntarily. And then eventually you start adding some distance between you and the crate and sending the dog, you know, uh, remotely. Um, it's a, it's a send away. You want to send your dog to the spot from anywhere in the house. And then actually, um, one of the, one of the things I did with, um, one of my dogs, um, I didn't do it with my current dog, but what I did with one of my dogs was I conditioned the dog to knocks on the door and, and doorbells mean go to your crate. So, um, it was another situation where my dog was overly excited every time, uh, you know, someone would come to the door and for good reason. Um, it was either the dog trainer, my best friend, my mom, um, uh, we had lots of, uh, neighbors that had friends, uh, that were uh, friend, were friends, became friends and were, uh, dog owners as well. So a lot of times the knock on the door meant, you know, there was a guest arriving. Now it's important to note, of course, when you're sending your dog to the crate, it shouldn't be a high energy exercise. Should be should not be high energy, high excitement, none of it. Um, you could also, uh, in parallel, uh, do this with a leash, which uh, you know might work out nicely because um, part of my recommendation, and I'll, I'll basically read you the email that I sent to the, the listener. Um, well, why don't I do that? Um, so I said using the crate f- for dogs, uh, for the dogs with overexcitement would be appropriate or keeping the dog on a leash. If you send your dog to the crate, wait until the dog is calm and then allow access to the human guests. And I would, I would put in, I put in parentheses there while on a leash because if your dog is still overly excited and hasn't had that condition, emotional response to seeing guests, as being the most fun thing, the most exciting thing of, of their lives, which it is, um, because you got to realize that dog is probably crazy excited to see anybody outdoors and their association with those humans is positive, but it's overly positive and the dog is inadvertently being rewarded for this bad human behavior. So it's, it's something that humans don't really enjoy. You know, no, no human wants to be jumped on and mauled over. I mean, there, there are the exceptions, like this listener said, one of, one of her friends doesn't mind it, you know, and that, that's, that's fine for that person, but it's not fine for someone that's just recovering from spinal surgery or is a toddler or, um, you know, is a senior citizen or is just not steady on their feet. So what I continued on saying is if you use the leash, you can restrict the dog's movement. Um, one method I use is actually using the leash as a drag line, meaning you're not holding the leash, but you can step on it to physically restrain the dog from not jumping. And you can, if you get practice with this, you can get kind of close to the dog's neck and step on it. So it basically makes the leash like three feet long. And then, you know, if you're talking about a 65 pound, uh, poodle, chances are the dog's going to be pretty tall enough, you know, so let's just say 24 inches. I don't know what that is in, in uh, metric because, Hey, I'm a, I'm an American. And, uh, yeah, side note there, they, they actually tried to teach us, um, the metric system when I was in, uh, elementary school and, uh, they had a big push for probably four or five years. And then it fell by the wayside, never spoken about again, kind of hilarious. So anyway, getting back. So the dog is, uh, conf- 
you know, confronting someone at the door using a drag line. And I, I mentioned it's a drag line. You can go out and purchase these um, so that, uh, you know, you don't have to make your own. Um, but why I'm, I'm referring to this as a drag line and not a standard leash is the leash has a handle which could get caught on furniture, appliances, table legs, could get wrapped around something. And then potentially cause even more damage, more destruction could be, you know, rather funny when it comes to, you know, looking at it from the outside. But when it's happening to you and, you know, a a table with a lamp and uh, candles get knocked over or wine glasses go flying everywhere, it's it's not uh, it's not enjoyable. So cutting the end off of uh, an old leash and using it exclusively as a drag line is a low cost way of facilitating that. Or you can, you know, you know spend the 10, 15 bucks and get an actual drag line. Um, so the length of the leash, typically I would, I would say for a drag line, you know, if you're doing like outdoor stuff for recall, you know, that could be like a 20 foot leash. But if you're in a standard apartment slash flat somewhere, we're only talking about, you know, a couple hundred square feet that you need to restrict the dog's movements, literally just six feet. That's fine. Um, any more than that might be a little bit excessive, but still fine. But definitely the nice part um, of the drag line is you're not physically holding the leash. Um, and if you do need to do, uh, do, do any restraint, you don't have to grab the leash and drag the, the, the leash. And I think for some dogs, that reinforces the idea that jumping doesn't work anymore. It's, it's forbidden in some way. Um, but you're not physically doing it. So maybe the dog thinks it's they're causing the restriction themselves for some reason. I don't know. I, I, I've used it a bunch of times, and uh, some dogs respond really well and, and pretty rapidly with it. You know, basically within an hour or so working with the dog and dog recognizing. Every time I jump up, it, I'm pulled right back down, and um, the human doesn't seem to be doing it. Uh, it. They associate it maybe with, oh, well, you know, maybe this is just a new thing. This These visitors can't be jumped on, and... It's, oh, I get rewarded when I'm not jumping. So that's great too. So that's another important uh, thing to mention. So as you're going to the door and your, your dog is trying to jump and you're stepping on the leash, so they only have half the length of that six-foot leash, and thus they won't be able to get full extension and get their paws all the way, front paws all the way off the ground. Um, when they hit the ground again, ask the dog to sit and then um, give, give a reward. Um, you know, because in that moment, it's very distracting. So that, that's one way. Another way I've approached this, similar though, uh, with either cr- combination of crate, drag line. Um, you know, a drag line is, is great too, where you can actually condition the dog that when they feel the urge to dart towards the dog, the, the, the door where the human is, um, you recall them. So they're wearing the drag line. You can actually physically restrain them and reel them back. But while you're recalling the dog, you know, as they get to your position, you can take a, a handful of treats, another jackpot, and then throw it behind you and behind the dog. So the dog literally walks away from the door. They turn three, uh, 180 degrees away from the visitor and then collects a bunch of treats. So that will gain you some distance where you can body block or secure the leash. And then as the dog is retrieving the treats, have the dog sit have the dog down, and again, it, as the dog is de- in the down position, 
restrict the, the, the amount of leash that the dog has access to by stepping on it and reminding the dog that you want the dog down. So, you know, I mean, the shortest, uh, the shortest way to get to what we want is just saying, hey, you know, when you come to my house, ignore the dog, let me do my thing, I'll tell you when you can greet, I can, you can greet the dog, etc., etc. But that doesn't always work. Um, and this also is, is for me, um, a part conversation of conditioning the, the dog to the doorway and what you should do about the doorway. I don't want to go out of a door unless the dog is going to sit and look at me. And I, I saw another dog trainer recently post something online that said, you know, I'm not going to let the dog to go out unless uh, they look at me. And I agree with that. And what he also went on to say was, I don't care if he sits or not. And that's kind of true, too, because if the dog's looking at me calmly, then I can open the door and either we can go out together. I can go out first and invite the dog out, which is my preferred method. Or we can greet a guest and the guest can come in. But as long as the dog's paying attention to me almost exclusively, then the dog will be great. Now, that's a pretty high watermark to get, get through. And, and this listener has put in a lot of time to go through training. And uh, from, from what I believe, and I'm going to just check the notes here, um, passed the AKC uh, Good, Good Citizens Test uh, certification. So for sure, the, the dog can do this stuff. I think the way you sit, step forward into this is do this with no distraction do this when there's no conf, con, uh, consequences. And as, as the dog handler slash owner, you're emotionally in control of the situation. You know, that's important too. If every time someone knocks on your door or the doorbell rings or you know somebody's uh, gonna, about to walk through the door, you're instantly um, stressed out. You're, you're anticipating something is going to be, it, it, something's going to go haywire. Because the dog is just so crazy. And um, the dog I was referring to that we conditioned the dog to knocks on the door and doorbell, it worked so well that at one point I had a guest come in. Uh, I was working nights, so I think I was sleeping during the day trying to get ready for an overnight uh, work shift. And uh, guest came unannounced, knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, I can't remember. And... Uh, the dog did what he was supposed to do. So this is my yellow lab uh, dozer. And he went into the crate. So I kind of like stumble out of the bedroom, go to the front door, see who, who it is. I'm happy to see whoever it was. Don't even remember who it was at this, this point. But I let that person get access to the house. And as I recall, yeah, as I recall, it was either a neighbor or someone uh, I had just become acquainted with. And I don't think they had been to my house yet. So in any case, uh, they came in, uh, we talked for a little bit. I think, uh, I think I even gave the person something to drink, water or something. And, uh, remember the guests looking around going, huh, there's tennis balls, dog bed, tug toys, fur everywhere. Hey, where's your dog? And at that moment I was like, oh my God, I, I didn't even realize that dozer's in his crate and I walk into the spare bedroom 
and I peek around the corner and I see him and his face looks like he's heartbroken because I didn't let him out. And uh, obviously his favorite thing before that was greeting people. Um, so if those of you, you want a friendly dog, um, get a yellow lab and then just walk around when they're uh, three to six months old. Just walk around the neighborhood. You'll make a friend on every single uh, lot, except for maybe some cat lovers, you know. But for the most part, you'll have people stopping or going out of their way to interact with you, which is a blessing and a curse. The blessing is obviously your dog gets socialized and your dog has lots of positive experiences and a couple negative ones around the general public. So people, places, and things. But the excitement that the dog associates with greeting someone, those are figured when I first got him, was the more excited I am towards seeing a new human and showing them how excited I am when I see them, the better for them. And he was not popular in that sense because he did jump a lot. Um, he did a lot of damage to that front door I was referring to because his idea was see the person coming through the window, run full speed, and hurl yourself against the, the door. So it was like, like the door was getting hit with a 90-pound sledgehammer. It's not a good thing. But working with leash to crate, uh, rewards in crate, um, rewards when they're coming out of the crate, repeating the stimuli of ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door, and eventually having decoy guests. And a, a lot of like the what I would consider real dog trainers, the, the, the canine trainers for the military, the police, uh, and service dogs, they'll understand that having a good downstay is, is crucial and having a send away is uh, necessary for those jobs because it's not about being within three feet of the handler. It's, a, it's about what, what, what is the dog going to do for their purpose and will they run 100 yards or more to, to go after a suspect or um, some sort of criminal or bad guy. But, you know, on the scale we're talking about, if, you know, poodles and Labradors, you know, having the dog understand that anybody coming in out of the door, it's no big deal. And uh, it can't be. But it should be mentioned, again, the human response to the doorbell, the human response to the knock on the door, the guest coming, is important and is as important as being a leader for the dog. You have to tell the dog what you need it to do calmly, succinctly. And I mentioned earlier that other trainer online, I wish I knew his name. He, he's a phenomenal trainer. I fo follow him on Instagram. He said, you know, he doesn't care if the dog sits, but as long as the dog's paying attention. Um, for this particular case with this, this listener, it is important for the, for the dog to lay down. And I think the, the, to overcorrect, overcompensate for the activity uh, and the energy and the anxiety within that dog, what's going to calm the dog the most isn't standing and staring at you. I don't think it's sitting because uh, if jumping is a problem, then you're, the, the dog's back legs are spring-loaded and they can come right up uh, to the guest and, and you know ruin everything. But laying down, and laying down uh, right now, uh, as I'm doing this podcast, to my left, about 12 feet away, 
I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback guest that's laying on his bed on his place. And I have my dog, Allie, to my right, laying quietly on a, on a, a cushion on the, on the couch. That's it. No noise. You know, they've been conditioned to do these things. This is their task. This is what they're supposed to do. And uh, they're quietly napping while I, while I record, the, record this podcast. So as a recap, use the tools that are necessary. Um, you know, use treats. Use food lures. Condition the dog to the, the boundary of your front door. Condition the dog what to do when seeing a guest and how they greet a guest. You can most certainly make the greeting ritual of someone knock-knocks on the door. Dog name, crate. Dog goes into crate. Wait. Dog stays there. You go open the door. Or you follow the dog to the crate, close the, the, the crate door, tell the dog to wait, praise the dog, reward the dog for quiet behavior, and then go answer the door. Let the guest in. You know your dog better than anyone. You'll know when the dog is calm. Reward the dog while in the crate for being calm. When you feel so necessary, the drag line should still be on the dog. Open the door. Secure the drag line in your hands or, you know, if the dog's not that excited, then let them go. But have a leap of faith. Be calm when you're doing it. And expect, you know, there's going to be failures. And probably the most important thing that I could tell all of you about dog training is, and with anything, you're going to fail many, many, many times over. The dog is going to fail. He's not going to get it on the first try. It might not be in the first 10 tries. You keep doing it. If you stay consistent with this, if you... um yeah, just stay with it. Keep going. Um, the dog will appreciate that, and the dog will get it. The one thing that I can tell you, uh, as far as human emotions go, you know your dog. You know your dog's very smart, and it bothers you when they don't perform well. It frustrates you. It might even make you angry. Well, they're not in really control of their emotions, but they're looking for a leader that is. So it's so important to not overly frustrate yourself or your dog. So in those circumstances, end on a high note. If your dog does not go to the crate three times in a row, do something else and then stop. Have the dog sit and down and reward it. Have the dog come and sit, make eye contact and reward it. Have the dog just lie down and reward it. Whatever you do, end with some sort of success, reset your emotions and reward the dog verbally. Reward the dog with affection and praise. Realize that in their brain, their brains are never going to be more developed than your average four or seven-year-old child. So give the dog a lot of slack. They, they, they don't know how to ration, uh, be rational like you. They're not logical like you. They, they can't manage these things. But I know a lot of people that can't imagine, can't manage their own emotions. And they fly off the handle easily. I was like that a lot. And training dogs teaches you, you must be patient. If you're not getting the wins that you want, 
Go fight the battles that you know you're going to win. Reward those. It establishes some sort of uh, balance in your relationship with the dog where you're not constantly hammering away and making the dog lose self-esteem. And if your dog's already anxious and doesn't know what you're, you're, you're trying to accomplish, it's going to snowball and make it worse. So as the dog starts to achieve these things, celebrate them, you know, uh, significantly, but the setbacks and failures, try not to get too frustrated and realize this is a journey. You're always going to take one step forward and maybe two steps back, but eventually then you're taking several steps forward and only one step back. And then over time, that step back is going to be less and less. And the other thing I can tell you guys is just repeat, do it a lot, do it when, when, you know, you don't know what to do with your dog. Send the dog to the crate. Have the dog come back out of the crate. Ring the doorbell. Have a, have a neighbor ring the doorbell. Order some pizza or food or something, you know, using DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever. Have the doorbell ring. Get a neighbor to do it. Pay a kid in the neighborhood to come ring your doorbell 10 times. You know, whatever it takes. But control your environment. Control your dog's access to stuff. Reward the dog for being calm. Um, you know, capture those behaviors. And when you do, uh, the, the dog will feel confident that you're, you're an excellent leader. Um, so this is, a, this is a good topic. I appreciate the, the listener that sent this in. Um, it has a lot of different facets to it. And uh, it should be understood that um, you should use uh, different tools when your, your overly excited dog is, is greeting a guest. And I don't see any disgrace in having your dog behind a, a, a crate, behind a, a baby gate or a barrier, or even on a leash in your own home. That said, I'm not saying anything about what kind of harness, what kind of collar you should be using. I, I, I'm not even, I don't even care. As long as the dog has some sort of physical boundary to accessing that guest. And here, I'll, I'll tell you what my approach is when uh, I'm, I'm talking to a client about being the guest and walking through the door. Uh, you know, I would, if I'm coming to see you in your home and visit your family, I want to see you. And I love dogs, but I don't want that dog to scratch me, bruise me, knock me over, drool all over me, rip my clothes. It's just not polite behavior. And dogs that are completely unleashed, um, it, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. But then there's the other side of that. Another facet of it is when people are holding the dog by the collar or picking the dog up or dragging the dog away. Again, use the tools that, are, that, you, that you have uh, 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 within your access. You have treats. You have a leash. You have a collar. You have a crate. You have a baby gate. You have all those things. So use them. I, I find one of the most baffling things that most people don't do is use the tools that are necessary to get the job done. You know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of controversy when someone says my dog, you know, I use a prong collar with my dog. Prong collars are not awful. Ill-fitted prong collars are. Bad handlers that use prong collars are. Um, you know, 
using using it for punishment is bad, but knowing how to use it, um, it's the difference between you know driving driving a vehicle with no no power steering versus power steering in some cases. But that doesn't necessarily mean you need to use it for every single dog. And you know, in certain dogs, like the one that uh, is is discussed in this uh, episode, the the poodle, I would probably use a harness. Um, more than likely, I would use a flat collar, standard flat collar with the ID tag, the dog's name and phone number, and uh, be restricted that way. So set yourself up and your dog up for success. Use tools, use treats, use crates, use leashes, uh, use collars. But, you know, use what's necessary. And as always, you know, it makes a lot of sense to talk to a professional dog trainer uh, locally and get help. You know, if you're struggling mightily um, and listening to this podcast, you know, by all means, go get a good dog trainer. Uh, spend the money. Spend the money even for one session to target specifically that that behavior. But I will say this. You should shop around. Find the dog trainer that's using the right methods for you, the right tools for you, and that fits with your personality. Because my dog trainer that I had in my life was a part of my family. He was a close friend and I miss him dearly. He's not with us anymore, but I used to see him every week for several years just for the simple fact that we became friends, we bonded over dog training, and uh, it changed my life. It really did. So use all the tools, be consistent, repeat, and uh, you know, manage your emotions. That's all I have for today, guys. Thanks. Listen, follow. Um, Subscribe, share uh, this podcast far and wide. Um, you know, refer it to friends, refer it to family. Don't forget to check out Right CBD, R Y T E C B D dot com for CBD stuff. And um, yeah, also if you want to buy me a coffee, go to buymeacoffee.com dot forward slash Adam Casper, all one word, and uh, buy me a copy co- coffee for this free um, dog training content. And uh, all the best, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your summer. Stay hydrated, stay well, take care. See ya.